New England Football Show presented by Mortgage Right. I'm your host, John Serenitas. As always, I'm joined by my partners, Kevin Stone and Adam Kirchin. And tonight we are joined by Merrimack College head football coach, Dan Curran. Coach Curran, good evening. How are you, sir? Doing well, John. Appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, thank you for taking the time. We appreciate you taking the time. And first things first, I need to ask, obviously, you got through spring ball recruiting. We got a chance to catch up at the Bone Camp. We saw you there last month. What has the offseason been like for you since? How have summer workouts been going so far? It's been good. We um, we actually just had a, our guys come back in this morning, uh, and, it, and it's been productive. We had a good workout today with the guys, got some indie work in, and, and did some work with the strength and conditioning coaches. And we had a smaller group up when I saw you guys last at the bone camp for the month of June. And then there was about an 11 day window when they went home. And then a little bit bigger group came up this year, probably the biggest group we've had, you know, since we've made the move to, to the division one level, which has been, you know, really good. And we appreciate the administration giving us the support to get the guys back on campus. And I think everybody in, in our world knows how important that is to, to preparing to having a great productive preseason. Um, but it's been a good summer. And uh, we got a good group coming back from last year. So we're, we're certainly excited to go on August 1st. Dan, um, I talked to you, I think, a little bit about this. But, um, you know, when we're talking about recruiting and guys you picked up from Massachusetts, one guy I think um, was so good and such a great pickup was Bryce Gentry Warwick yeah. from Springfield Central. Yeah. Because I always – like, he's – I don't know exactly how tall he is, but I feel like, you know, if he were 6'1", 6'2", then he'd have 30 offers and everybody in the country would want him. But he's he's a little shorter. But I don't, I think it, it – I, I don't always think that's such a bad thing for a defensive tackle to, you know, sort of win the leverage battle right sure. off. But yep. but what a terrific player. I mean, he is he is so explosive off the snap. And it just makes it a nightmare for your center trying to block this guy. What did you see in him? Well, I mean, your question was was uh, interesting when you said, uh, you know, I don't know how tall he is. I, I would say he's tall enough. <laughs> I know that. Yeah. So um, he, he's crazy explosive. He's really athletic. Um, he's an unbelievably powerful kid. And I think the thing that we liked about him that we kind of saw early in the process is he's very much our type of player. You know, some kids like football um because they're good at it and some kids like it on friday night when the media like you guys are covering him and his fans in the stands like this kid loves football like he doesn't like it he loves it like he loves everything about football from the film work to the field work to the weight room and you can see it on film and you see him compete and we always thought he played his best football against the best competition you know you guys know obviously springfield central is a really good program um, and those guys out there have done an unbelievable job. And, you know, there's some games when they're certainly outmatching their opponents and there's some other games and they're going against, you know, some of the big boys. And, um, I mean, he played his best football against the St. John's preps of the world and, you know, those types of programs. So when you see a kid do that consistently, game in, game out, who has the type of passion and love for the game that he does, um, there's no question he's got a chance to be a pretty good one at the next level. Coach, you mentioned the jump up to D1. Um, you guys are now well-established there. but this is the first year you can now compete in the FCS postseason. Um, just recruiting-wise, was that a hurdle that you had to get through, you know, for kids that wanted to actually compete for a national championship? And then, two, um, does it change the mindset at all? I know, obviously, you guys won't change, you know, how you do things necessarily. But just in terms of, hey, look, you know, we can go compete for something bigger now. 
Does it change the offseason? And I'm being totally honest. I'm not giving you coach talk. It, it really doesn't. If you talk to the guys in our locker room, and I know you had a conversation with with Pat Conroy and Nick Lennon, you know, after the spring game, those are our two captains. Is you know the philosophy in this program has always been process driven, and I know that's a word, a buzzword, a lot of schools use. But if you look at how we do things day to day, and, and the way we talk, and the language that we all speak from the coaches down, it's really about trying to live up to our standard, and then ultimately elevating that. Um, and putting a product on the field that our program, our school, and our alumni can be proud of. And, you know, we just try to compete every single week and, and, and do a good job and trying to win every game. And, and really, in the, in the reality of these things, as far as the playoffs or conference championships, those things are all just a byproduct of doing, you know, things the right way on a consistent, everyday basis. And if you've got your standard and you're meeting it every day, you're not really worried about what other people are doing. I think it's going to bode well for, for your long-term success. So for us, that's the language and, and verbiage we've always spoke. You know, even when we were a Division II program, and certainly when we made the move, you know, to Division One, we never really worried about, you know, the fact that we weren't able to ultimately win a conference championship or certainly be allowed to go to the playoffs. Um, I'm sure that was used against a little bit in recruiting, but I don't really worry about that. To me, we're worried more about, you know, what we have to offer. And I think the programs that are focused on what they have to offer – are the ones that usually are going to be successful over a long period of time. Coach, just to kind of piggyback off of that, so now you can qualify for the playoffs. The NEC, as we know, is highly competitive year in and year out. What are your thoughts on the conference as it, it's currently constituted? Just some thoughts on the conference heading into this season from Merrimack's perspective. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think the great thing about the conference is on any given week, you know, you hear this from a lot of schools and different conferences, but it's not always the case. I mean, anybody can beat anybody. And I think that's what makes the conference so much fun to cover and so much fun to compete in. So, you know, certainly the some of the programs that have been at the top, like a Sacred Heart, you know, in the Central Connecticut, you know, I think they're going to have an opportunity, to, you know, to, to obviously be really good again this year. And obviously it starts with St. Francis. You look at what those guys did last year. And they had an unbelievable year. And I think that staff does a tremendous job of kind of similar to what we do is not really worried about what other schools in the conference or either other FCS schools in the Northeast or, or who they're recruiting. They're going to recruit their type of kid. And they're going to do a good job of developing those guys and putting them in position to be successful. And I think they do that as good as anybody, you know. So the conference I expect is to be crazy again this year with everybody having an opportunity to compete for, for potentially a conference championship. And, you know, obviously we've got some good players back some guys that have some experience and coming off a really successful season. But we all know in that locker room, that really doesn't translate to anything unless we continue to develop and live up to that standard we touched on earlier. And just to follow up on that, you mentioned St. Francis. That's a program that's that's dealt with other programs rating their program yep. for players. How, how hard is it when you're an FCS program in a conference like the NEC, and, and you guys have done a tremendous job in in recruiting and and you see that with the amount of guys that you have that have had the opportunity in recent years to play professionally, but how hard is it to deal with other programs outside the conference, maybe group of five or even power five programs targeting schools in your league to try to get players off your rosters? How, how hard is it to keep guys on your roster in this era of the transfer portal? Well, I think the reality is everybody is susceptible to being, you know, poached in the transfer portal unless you're really a true blue blood power five program, right? Because even some of these power fives or group of fives that are successful. Some of these guys are going to have opportunities to go to, a, you know, a top 10 school 
And it's not even about whether they want to be there more, but it's about what's being given to them, right, with the NIL deal. So it's always going to be a challenge, I think. I think for us, I think, you know, there's no perfect science to it, but I think we do a good job on the front end of trying to attract a certain type of kid that's maybe looking for a different experience. Uh, it doesn't mean you're going to be totally immune to it, and I don't think anybody is. But if you look at our, you know, our program, and I'm, we're not talking about the kid that's, you know, honored his commitment and spent four years in our program and is looking to do his grad year or last two years of eligibility somewhere where he can play a little bit more because obviously we want those guys to have a great experience. They've honored their commitment to us, and hopefully we've done the same to them, and hopefully they've had a great experience and gotten a really good degree from Merrimack. I'm talking about kids that are too deep that, you know, hey, kind of surprisingly opted to go. So I think we've had like two guys in the last three or four years, um, and, and I think that really – says two things. Number one, they can tell you the, the type of kid we're recruiting is probably a little different. That's looking to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And they value the community that we have here at Merrimack and the program that we've built. And I also like to think it, it means that we're, you know, we're running a pretty good program and the culture that we've built isn't just good for our really good players, but for the kid that's a third or fourth string kid that's just trying to make the bus and have a great experience playing Division One football and getting a degree. Um, so, again, I mean, the law of averages, it's going to affect every program at some point. But we've been lucky that we really haven't been directly impacted a ton. You know, and the people that have, it's, you know, it's been one or two guys. And hopefully we can continue with that trend. I look at um, some of your top players from last year, and it's like freshman, sophomore, freshman, sophomore. I mean, a lot of guys either coming back or just made a big impact. Is some of that – do you feel good about how you recruit when you know you can bring in young players and they can play right away? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the big thing is we're one of the programs in this. There's certainly a bunch that out there that still do it. We recruit high school kids. And when I mean high school, I mean, obviously, prep school. Kids coming out of, you know, not not the transfer portal. Um, and we put a premium on that. And we work really hard at building relationships with high school programs and their coaches. And that's where the trust is, is really built. You know, and I think those programs and those high schools trust us that we're going to do right by their kids and develop those guys and, that sometimes allows us to get a kid that maybe maybe should go a little bit higher, but is choosing to be a part of what we're building here. And, you know, I think, you know, our staff um, in our strength program and our athletic training group has done a good job with the developmental piece, you know, with our guys and getting those guys prepared and getting better every single year. But I think it does. It all comes back to the kids. And if you recruit a certain type of kid and you stay within that formula, you don't stray very far from that. And I think where some schools get in trouble is there's a need they have in a position or they get really wild by someone's ability, but maybe that individual isn't a fit for whatever reason for your program and your school. And you kind of bend a little bit to get that individual. And you're not quite sure like what the end results can be, but man, he's really talented. Those usually don't end well. And I think for us, we haven't done a whole lot of that. You know, every kid you mentioned, a kid like Bryce Work, a lot of our guys and some of the guys you wouldn't be as familiar with that are from outside our region. It's the same blueprint. It's the same type of kid, the same type of values that's important to them and their family, I think because those kids are bought in and they're coming to Merrimack for the right reasons, they have a chance to develop and get on the field early and make an impact as a redshirt freshman or sophomore. Coach, you mentioned building those relationships with the local staffs, the high school staffs, and obviously you've been around a while and, and have been able to do that. But the, the showcase days that have been in Connecticut and even here in Massachusetts and really just the camp scene overall has exploded over the past, you know, I don't know, five or 10 years. Yep. How valuable is, are those now, particularly with the portal for kids that, you know, might not get seen as much? 
There's no question. And I, I think the other piece, interesting enough, is you mentioned the portal. When we've gotten kids in the portal, it's primarily because of the relationships that we have with some of these coaches. So a young man maybe went somewhere and it's it was a really big school and you really can't blame the kid, right? You get an opportunity to go to a power five school or maybe a really, you know, a blue blood FCS program. And, you know, maybe it isn't the right fit for whatever reason. Uh, and the kid's looking for a new home. And, you know, at the end of the day, they're looking for a certain type uh, of experience. And, and and I think when you got relations with some of these coaches and they know, hey, listen, we know what's going to happen at Merrimack from a standpoint of development, from a standpoint of making sure you're working with these kids through thick and thin when things are going well, when things aren't going so well, making sure these kids are getting a degree and then helping prepare these kids to take the next step in their lives. And I think a lot of these coaches know, you know, we're going to do right by our guys. And that's something we take a ton of pride in. So those relationships, they certainly help us when we're getting a kid that maybe maybe could go a little bit higher or a program that's got a little bit no, more notoriety. But it does help us when we do take a transfer, which we don't take a ton. But if we take two or three a year, it's usually someone that we have a relationship with. Someone who's got friends that they play with on our program. We know we'll bring in our locker room or someone that we recruited out of high school who's at a program that we traditionally recruit from. And maybe he's looking to get a change to a better fit. And it just happens to be that because of that great relationship that we have with the school and the program, that individual ends up at Merrimack. And, and just the the show days in the camps, how much does that kind of expedite that process for the kids, again, that aren't necessarily seen as much? Well, I think those things are great just because that in-person evaluation is everything, right? You get a chance to see kids. And I'm not just talking about the physical pace. Certainly, there's going to be some measurables. That's part of the evaluation. Um, for us, it's more about, hey, does this kind of just confirm what we already thought about this kid? We're not offering a kid just based off of 40 or the fact that an old lineman's 6'7 with a huge wingspan. It's more like, hey, that's great that they check a couple boxes with the physical pace, and that is part of it. But seeing how kids compete, um, seeing how kids interact with their teammates, um, with their coaches, how they handle a good rep, you know, how they handle themselves in class or those guys that are taunting people, and even how these guys are handling a bad rep. You know, you lose a rep against another good player, how do you respond? How do you come back? And if you're a real competitor, those kids usually find a way to put their best football in the next play. Um, so those showcases give you a chance to see a lot of that stuff because you don't get a chance to get out and watch a lot of these kids play games live. So the, that environment is huge for, you know, certainly all high school kids, but New England has done a really good job of elevating the football and giving these kids an opportunity to be out in front of a bunch of colleges. And sometimes in a case, we're all in one place. You get all these colleges all in one place and it's a great thing for them, but it's also a great thing for the coaches as well. Um, and it's been awesome, you know, for their entire recruiting process. You are watching slash listening to the New England Football Show presented by Mortgage Right. I'm your host, John Serenitas. As always, I'm joined by Kevin Stone and Adam Kirchin. And our guest tonight is Merrimack College head football coach Dan Kern. Just as a reminder, if you are looking to sell your current home or buy your first home, give our friend Herb Devine a call at 781 254 2846. You can also email Herb at situate.mortgageright.com. He and his team are available anytime, including nights and weekends, to help you find the right home. Coach, I want to talk about your schedule. Obviously, you guys transitioned to Division One a few years ago. As part of that process, you start to play more higher profile opponents, both locally, but also along the East Coast. Stonehill made that transition last year. They're going to be opening up with UNH this year. You guys are going to be traveling out to Amherst later on in the season to take on UMass. Talk a little bit about your schedule. What goes into the schedule 
And why is it important for you guys to play a Harvard, a UMass, a Holy Cross? Why is it important for you to play those programs both on the field but also off the field as well? Yeah, no, I mean, I think obviously our path, and, and Coach Gardner will attest to this, was a little different than Stono's where because they were replacing Bryant, they got a full conference schedule, which was pretty cool. Now, they didn't get a full 11-game schedule. Um, but I know for us, like me and my AD, Jeremy Gibson, we had to like hustle. You know, we ended up making the the announcement, I think, in September of 18. We played our last year in Division Two. We had to basically create a schedule. And I think we only got four conference games, and one of them was already on the schedule in Central Connecticut, who was actually the conference champ at the time. So we ended up taking on some heavy hitters early. Like, we played roadie our first year. Um, and we had some interesting, you know, other other games and matched up. I think we had Lehigh that year as well. But every year we tried to ramp it up. And as you probably understand, like, you know, when you're doing – out of league scheduling, in, in, at least in regards to college football, which is a little different than basketball, these out of league games, these out of conference games, they're done. Those contracts are done years in advance. So it's not like something that we're, we're picking up a game, you know, six months before the season. All these games are being, you know, those contracts are being negotiated two, three, sometimes four or five years down the road. So I think, you know, our administration, along with our staff, has done a good job of continuing to try and expand our footprint. And, you know, like you said, give ourselves an opportunity to compete against some really good programs. You know, some of the best in the country at the FCS level. You know, we're going to be starting to compete against some FBS programs as well. Um, and not just for the football and the athletic piece, but the opportunity for us to expand our brand as an institution. You know, when you play a Harvard University, you play a Holy Cross, um, you play a Lehigh, and obviously now, you you know, you, you play a UMaine. I think we played them in 21. and. You're looking down the road, you know, we're going to be playing Air Force Academy. We're playing UConn. And you mentioned this year we have University of Massachusetts later on in the year. So those are all exciting things for our kids. And I know they look forward to those opportunities. But it's a great thing for the institution as well. And, you know, if you look across the board with Merrimack, all the teams are doing it. You know, and I think I think our basketball team just picked up a couple of Big Ten schools. So it is really important piece, you know, for the exposure for the school and the increase, you know, the brand. Um, that's something that, you know, we take a ton of pride in here and it's, it, we're looking forward to the opportunity that we're going to have in front of us this year. Yeah. And you mentioned the brand and expanding the brand. Of course, Bryant joined the big South last year. That's kind of been their goal. Why they made that move. How important is expanding the brand from a recruiting standpoint? Because you have a certain base in terms of your recruiting now, but if the brand can go national or, or even expand beyond New England and the Northeast, how much does that help you in recruiting? Well, I think it helps a ton. And I think, first off, you got to know your institution. You got to know your program. And, you know, the word people use all the time is culture. But you got to kind of know what the formula is for for your school and your program. And I think it's a little bit different for everybody, even within the Northeast. You know, you look at schools, certainly like the Ivy Leagues, they have a national reach. And even a, a program like Holy Cross, who's a top five program. And, you know, Coach Chesney and his staff has done an amazing job there. And, you know, they obviously, you know, it's, it's a well-known program with wonderful tradition. You know, and I think for us, you know, that's obviously the goal to get to that point. But number one rule of recruiting is to protect your backyard. And, you know, we know how important that is, and no matter what level of football you're at. And then we do certainly have our areas where we, we've done a good job of, you know, having a strong brand and, and having a really good reputation. And, you know, obviously the New England piece is, is big. And, you know, we've had a lot of success in the DMV, which is the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. If you look at our roster, we've had a, a ton of really good players in that area. And I think the New Jersey area is an area that we've done a really good job in the last couple of years. And as you know, there's a lot of good football players coming out of that state. So I think for us, we've, we've had some one-offs, 
whether it be Georgia or Florida or the Midwest, and would like to continue to expand upon that. And I don't think you want to build your whole program off of that. Certainly not, at a, you know, with where we're at, but I think you want to continue to have, you know, guys, you might pull a key guy out of that area, you know, every other year. And I think if you can do that, um, as your brand continues to expand, you're going to obviously bring more talent in your locker room and ultimately have a better product in the field. Now, uh, even since I, I think even since you've been at Merrimack, the landscape uh, for high school football in New England has changed in terms of recruiting because you see so many more prep schools now. Yeah, like Kev mentioned the showcase days. Um, it's 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 really spread out. Um, and so how has, how has that changed in your eyes? Cause I remember when you were a player, you usually just went four years of your high school and, you know, did that. And, uh, yep. and it was, it, was, it was in some ways simpler, but you know, how has it changed in your eyes, even since you've been the coach at Merrimack? Well, I think, you know, first off, there's great players everywhere. Um, and there's still really, really good players, you know, in public school football, not just in Massachusetts, but in New England, some of our very best kids were those guys. And you're looking at, you know, a Tyler Roberts, who, who's a great player for us and a two-time captain. I came out of Wilmington High School. He probably didn't have a whole lot of offers. I think it might have been maybe us and Stonehill, if I'm, if I'm correct. But, you know, Pat Conroy's another guy. I, I believe it was us and a couple other schools in New England. And that guy's going to have – I mean, he's, he's got an opportunity to play in the East-West game next year. You know what I mean? So um, there's great players everywhere. But I do think that with the – you know, evolution of the prep school world, I think, number one, I think the kids are, are more developed because a lot of these kids are PG and are reclass, and which, as you know, in our sport, I mean, it's all about physical development. So it's a little bit different than some of these sports that are strictly skill-driven, like a baseball or a basketball lacrosse, which that's part of it. But the physical development piece is huge in football, so that's beneficial. And I think getting these kids competing where you can look on a, on a, on a field in a prep school game, I mean, there was a game that I saw two years ago with Choke Deerfield where – there was probably 18 scholarship kids in the senior PG class between the two schools. That's not even counting the underclassmen. And that's something you might see in Texas or Florida. You would never see that in New England 20 years ago. You know what I mean? So, but the reality is you still got to do a good job being thorough and finding these kids no matter where they are. And, and I think all the schools, certainly not just New England, but all the colleges that recruit this year understand that. But I think what I will say is getting these kids to compete against each other, you see more of it. Um, because of the prep school world. And I think because of the PG and the reclass ability, these kids are coming into school a little bit more ready physically to compete at the college level. Coach, I want to go back to the schedule for a minute, and we just talked about Holy Cross. Um, you guys jump right into the deep end with them to open the year, um, and you've done it a few times now. What is it about them that sort of sparks that rivalry? And um, it's become one of the better rivalries in New England, but why them to open the year? Is it just – you know, hey, let's jump right in and, and see where we're at. Um, I'd like to, you know, me and Bob take credit. Like, we created that. That was done years in advance. I think when we made the move, I think they thought as an institution it would be it'd be great to have, you know, two Division One private Catholic schools that are 45, 50 minutes away play each other. And for us, I mean, you know, we appreciate the opportunity. I mean, I think what can you, as a competitor, what can you ask better than playing against the best? You know, I think they are the standard right now. And, I think, you know, I, I do believe Coach Shez and his staff probably recruits a similar type of kid, kids that, you know, certainly value being a part of something bigger than themselves. They're kids that care about their education, but they're kids that they love football. And those kids are tough, competitive kids. And you can see those are the kids that they identify in the recruiting process, similar to us. So I think because you got a bunch of kids that love to compete, 
that have a little bit of chip in their shoulder and an edge, what you're going to get is, is a fun product to watch. Um, and, and, you know, the reality is those guys get everybody's best shot every week. You know, when you're, when you're the team, you get everybody's best shot, you know, and, and, um, you know, we understand we're going to be up against it this year. They're, I think they're preseason number four or five and rightfully so. They got a lot of really good players coming back. They're very well coached. They're a program that understands how to win games and, um, we got our work cut out for it, but I know our guys are looking forward to the challenge. Coach, just looking ahead to the upcoming season, obviously you graduated a lot of quality players that were a big part of your team last year, and you had a good team last year. But looking ahead, who are some guys that you're expecting to step up and fill some of those shoes? When you think, you know, you mentioned Roberts earlier, you got Big J on defense, you got Witherstone. Who are some guys, you know, Rodney Sampson, who are some guys yeah. that you're going to be counting on to step up and fill? Some pretty big shoes on both sides of the ball. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, it's the nature of college football, right? You lose good players every year. And, you know, I I, I think I had talked to to you guys about it, you know, at the, the bone camp. It's not just losing the production from those guys. It's the quality of those kids. Like, they were unbelievable teammates. A lot of those guys were leaders in our locker room. So it's hard to replace that because it's not just the, the stats that you got to replace. It's all the other intangibles that come with, you know, having kids like that. But ironically – you know, we're, we're fortunate that I think, I think we believe like 18 out of 22 starters back. Um, and, you know, we're in a position where, you know, for the first time since probably the move that we have some depth a little bit everywhere. Now, whether we're able to keep that depth or not, it's going to be, you know, if we're able to stay healthy throughout the course of the year. But that's kind of been the biggest, most important thing for us since we made the jump is every year our depth has gotten a little bit better. And that's been able to allow us to absorb injuries that we couldn't have done a year or two ago. Um, and, you know, you lose a kid like Tyler Roberts, he's irreplaceable. But having a kid like Pat Conroy, who, you know, as a sophomore, he led the nation in yards per catch for all receivers, not just tight ends. And then last year, I mean, he was hurt most of the year, still ended up with six touchdowns. I mean, he was, to me, I wouldn't trade him for anybody in, in New England at that position. I think he's that talented. Um, you know, and then a guy like Rodney Sampson, we, we're fortunate we have a young guy named Kendall Sims who got some good opportunities to play last year. He's out of St. John's, which is the program that played Springfield. Central last year, and Kendall has kind of come in and opened some eyes, and, and certainly in limited time has played very well. Now the ability to do that throughout eleven games, that's going to be a, a different challenge. But um, we're excited about him. He had a great spring, and we got some some good young players in the position that hopefully can absorb the loss of Rodney. And you know, I know you mentioned Big J. Big J was a kid that really came on strong as the year went on, and you know, I still think his best football is ahead. I'm so excited for him and his future in Pittsburgh. But that's another position like. Even with losing Big J, you know, we, we might have the deepest defensive line in the conference. Um, I think that's the best position in our entire team. If you look top to bottom, I think we're two, sometimes three deep at that position. We, we'll play everybody. Um, and I think that's a big strength of the team. And I hope moving forward, those guys understand the importance of setting the tone for our entire program. But, yeah, you don't replace those guys with just one person. I think the goal is to replace them with multiple guys. And hopefully those guys are able to not just replace the production – but, you know, all the other great things that those guys brought to our program. I know a lot of college coaches talk about it because it's such a grind of a sport. But – and you talked you talk about this a little bit, but where do you see the depth of your team being now, now several years into that jump into Division One? How, how do you feel your depth is at this point? It was certainly the best we've ever been. Um, you know, I think if you look at our team in 21 – you know, we came out like gangbusters. I mean, we obviously had a pretty big win week one, or week two, excuse me. 
And then, you know, really probably should have won the game at UMaine versus a pretty good program. I thought Charlton, Coach Charlton did a great job with that team. And we all played those guys, you know. And the reality is we didn't pull that up. But we started that season off. We were getting top 25 votes for the first four or five weeks of the year. And then you looked away. We, we kind of limped to the finish line. And, you know, a big part of that is guys being thrusted in the lineup maybe a little bit before they were ready due to injuries on both the O and D line at the running back spot. But the blessing in that is you got guys really valuable reps. And I think for us, I think if you even go way back to when, you know, I've talked to, to the people in the media from our move in 19, the move wasn't so much about do we need – we had really good players already in 19. It was about making sure our twos and threes were very competitive with our ones. And I think every college coach at the FCS level, and even probably to a certain degree at some of the group of five, will tell you that no one has enough depth, right? You can never have enough of that. But I think we're in a place now where we're certainly got a lot of competition in every positional group. And, you know, it's forcing us to play a bunch of guys. And when you have competition within each room, that's going to make everybody raise their level. And it's going to allow guys to be ready to play when, when their opportunity does come. So we're in a way better spot right now than we've ever been. Um, we're not there yet, but I think we're pretty close. And I think that's what we want to continue to build on that and just continue to bring in quality kids that we can develop that want to be a part of our program. They don't just want to be here for a year or two. Coach, you mentioned Jay. You mentioned Anthony. Um, and we've talked about, you know, expanding the brand. It doesn't get much better expanding the brand than when the NFL comes calling. Uh, the NFL has been sniffing around your program for a while now, which, you know, speaks volumes to what you guys are doing. Um, how impactful has that been recruiting-wise and just um, as a coach, pride-wise? You know, what is that like having guys that are, you know, probably have a good shot to make a team in training camp in a couple months? Well, it's something that, you know, again – when we have our, our guys are getting ready to make that transition and, and they're, they're, they're getting ready to graduate or finish with their masters, you know, as a staff, you know, that's something that we made a priority early in our tenure here with me and coach Shinetti being together almost 10 years now is that we want to be a big part of that process. And those guys taking that next step. And for some guys, just helping them getting, you know, an interview somewhere with, with an alum or, or helping a guy get, a, get an internship with another alum in a different industry that maybe we don't have a ton of ties in, but, the football world is a world that we have a lot of relationships with and we're able to utilize those relationships early in, in our tenure at Merrimack and it's, it's worked out well. And certainly the kids that have gotten the opportunities have, have done their part in, in, in performing really well, both on game day and at some of these pro days. And it's been a really cool thing for the program. I think it's great for our guys to have that carrot that like, this is a reality here at Merrimack. If I put the work in and I continue to develop, you know, being signed and someday getting a guy drafted, like that's something that, we've been able to do pretty consistently. And, you know, we do take a lot of pride in it and we take a ton of pride in letting our guys know, like, you know, if you do things the right way, Coach, I think we lost you from a volume standpoint. Coach, I, we we didn't get what you just said there. We we you didn't come through, volume wise. All right, we're just waiting to get uh, Coach back from a volume standpoint here. Coach, can you hear us? We can't. We can't hear you. You can hear us, though, correct? 
Can you hear? Can you can hear us? All right, we're going to try to get uh, Coach back here momentarily. The question um, wasn't that bad, was it? <laughs> no, it was not that bad. And you've asked some doozy, Stone, but that was one of your better ones. Um, but we're just hopefully we can get Coach back here from a volume standpoint. But, you know, I think you, you bring up a good point, Kevin, about the NFL has come knocking on Merrimack's door a lot in recent years. And we talked about Big J with the Steelers, Anthony Witherstone with the Chiefs. Uh, Tyler Roberts got an opportunity also with the Chiefs, and he's got other opportunities. So certainly uh, Coach Kern and the staff have done a great job getting guys ready to play. At the next level isn't just the NFL, right? I mean, in this day and age now with the IFL and the XFL and the CFL and the USFL, there's plenty of opportunities out there for guys to get a chance to pursue their dream of playing professionally. Uh, again, Coach, can you um, – uh, can you can hear us? We're, can you um, can you relate to us that you can hear us? <laughs> we still have coach here uh, visually, but we're hoping to get him back from an audio standpoint. Adam, you you brought up uh, Bryce Gentry Warwick earlier. Obviously, recruiting locally is huge, and Coach Kern and his staff have done a tremendous job recruiting locally and adding some real quality local talent. Coach also talked about the fact that the program with their schedule and and with the success they've had getting guys to NFL camps that it's now becoming also a national program, which is huge, right? I mean, it's everything, you know. And one of the things I want to ask Coach here, and hopefully we can uh, get him back here momentarily, uh, is the rise of college football in New England. We're seeing it, right? I mean, we've been covering – college football in New England now for three years. And I feel like every single year that we've been covering it, and even before that, but every single year that we've been covering it, the product is just getting better and better. And we talk about this all the time. I, I really truly believe that this is the best Division One college football has been in New England ever, in my opinion. I don't know, in my lifetime, I'm 48, I don't know if I remember it ever really being this good. Yeah, it might not be. Um, and the other thing, um, when when we when you talk about Bryce Gentry Warwick, is um, he, you know, he was one of those guys that was sort of uh, seen as a uh, like a midway because because he wasn't that big, but he's just so athletic. Um, and it's just one of those things where I feel like Coach Curran as somebody who played in Massachusetts yeah. and has all those connections still is, um, is, is going to get the, the real deal on some of these guys. And, uh, yeah. he, he, and he's just done a, done a great, great job of recruiting this area. Coach Kern is back. Let's see if he can hear us. Coach. How we doing? <laughs> all right. We got you. You're back. I apologize for that. My no, question wasn't that bad, was it? Not yet. <laughs> I didn't even hear it, so I, I, I could imagine it wasn't a bad question. So. Te technical difficulties. That I have happens. to give Coach Rosenbaum credit for that one. He just tried to call me about a recruit, and it just got me. For some reason, it muted my phone. So hopefully he's listening to this and tell me you better not call me back until the show's over. So Yeah, yeah seriously. <laughs> I mean, come on, Coach. I yeah. mean, we, we only got about another 10 minutes here. You can't wait about another 10 minutes. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, but, Coach, one of the things we talked about um, while we were waiting for you to come back on was – how much Division One football in New England has has gone to the next level in recent years? I mean, we 
I started this thing in 2019. Kevin and I hooked up in 2020. Adam then joined us in 2021. But in the in the last three years, in particular, it, it's amazing to me just how much. And I don't want to say better necessarily. I'm not sure that's the right word. But just when you look at where Division One college football in New England is today, yep. I'm not sure it's ever been this good. Where you have so many programs, you have 16 programs in the region. And so many of them are competitive now, and they're competing for conference titles and and the opportunity to play in the playoffs or, or in a bowl game. What are your thoughts on where Division One college football in particular is right now in New England? I mean, I agree with the sentiment that you just said. I mean, the reality is, is all these programs, wherever they are in the process, some of them are rebuilding, they got new staffs or they're established programs. Every one of them is, is really competitive. Um, and I think... You know, it starts with some of the, you know, these institutions did a great job with their hires. You know, you look at some of the, the programs that are really thriving right now, the ones that turned around quickly. They, it's not coincidence that they've brought in some really talented coaches who have put together some good staffs. And um, it's been exciting to be, be a part of it, you know. And I think with a number of schools making the jump uh, and the administration's understanding, you know, what it takes to make that jump. And no transition is ever going to be perfect. But I think the schools investing uh, the resources and understanding, like, if we're going to make this move, let's do it the right way. Um, and I think the great thing about it is, you know, the more the merrier, right? The, the, the more talented teams we have, the more competitive it is from the FCS and FBS world. I think it's just better for college football in general in all of New England. Um, so it's been exciting to see. And uh, there's no question, I think it's as, it's as good a college football as it's been in New England since certainly I remember. Um, you know, I remember – even back when I was playing, it was, you know, the CA was well-known and you, you had some good programs in the Ivies and the Patriots, but the depth of, of, of talent and, and the amount of teams that are really competitive now, you just didn't have it um, back then the way you do right now, which is awesome. And it's really exciting to be a part of it. Yeah. And you made a great point there. You know, look at, you look at the CAA, right? I mean, UNH wins a share of it last year. You got URI who was in the mix. I think Jordan's going to get Maine going. He's a Maine guy, Maine alum. He knows what it takes to win there. I, those three programs, they represent New England, have been highly competitive programs. You look at the NEC with you and, and the job Mark has done down at Sacred Heart, and I think Adam is going to get Central Connecticut State going. Yep. Eli and his staff have done a good job considering that Stonehill has only been in the conference for a year. And then you look at the Ivy League. I mean, Harvard, look, Coach Murph is an institution there. Um, you know, obviously look at Dartmouth, Coach Stevens. We wish him well yeah. uh, in his recovery. He's an institution at Dartmouth. Uh, I, I think we had Tony Reno on a couple of weeks ago. They won the Ivy League last year. Tony's a terrific uh, coach. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, and then you look at what, what James Perry's trying to do at Brown, of course, and over guys. So, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. When you look at those programs at the FCS level, that there isn't really a big gap between a UNH and a Maine. You saw when they played – their rivalry game, there isn't a big gap between the programs around here. To your point earlier, it is uber competitive. It is. And I think it's awesome for all the college football fans in New England and the alumni bases to be a part of it. Um, you know, Every week, you, you got to go and you're not sure what you're going to get. But that it makes it exciting. It makes it ultra competitive. And as, as a staff and as a program, you got to bring your best every week. And I think when, it, when it's that type of environment, it's just so much fun to follow and be a part of. Um, and it, there's it's definitely – the deepest pool I think that New England has had in a long time at this level. When I, I look at some of your games, the atmosphere has been terrific at some of these games you've had. Um, 
and Kev can speak to that too. Obviously, he's been there. But um, you know, where are you from an atmosphere standpoint? Where 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 do you want to get to uh, as as a program with the atmosphere? Because I think it, right now that's a fun place to play. You can pack the place out. Yeah. Um, it it can, it can be really nice there. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I think I believe I think I'm accurate with this one. I think we've led the conference in attendance, average home attendance every year we've been in the conference, which is which is pretty cool. And a lot of that credit goes to our administration and the SIDs and all the guys in marketing that have worked really hard. But I think we also, you know, a big reason why a lot of people choose Merrimack and why I'm still working and Coach Eddie's still there is we love the community. It's a very supportive community that believes, you know, in the athletic teams and wants to support them. And, um, you know, the environment that we had at homecoming this year, you know, every year at homecoming, I think, like, it can't be outdone from the prior year because it's always so good. But we had a come-from-behind win against LIU, um, and it was one of the best environments, I don't care what level, that I've ever been a part of, even as a player. You know, I don't know what the tally was. It's probably close to 13,000. But it would if, if you were on the field, it felt like 50,000 people were there. Um, and, and, you know, what a, what a scene, you know, and the, the winning drive, you know, with the student section. You know, that's what college football is all about is that type of environment. And there was actually a statistic on social media. Uh, I'm probably not going to explain it right. My coach Robat, my recruiting coordinator, he uses this one all the time in recruiting, but they basically did a, a statistic based off of all FBS and FCS schools in the country. And it's based off your, you know, your stadium capacity too. So obviously we're not Alabama. We don't have 80,000 kids, student, you know, people at our game, but based off your stadium capacity, your average attendance at home games, the percentage of that, we were number one in the country, um, yeah. even over SEC schools, which again, we get it, you know, it, put it in perspective, but it's a pretty cool thing to talk to kids about like, you're going to go somewhere where football matters, um, where the school, where the student body, the alumni, the community, it's going to support us. And, um, you know, having some of these night games early in the year against some of our rivalry games and then obviously homecoming, um, those are all atmospheres that are, I think, are second to none, at least at the FCS level in college football in New England. Uh, I, I'd just like to add Peter Mundy, your PA guy. I've known him for years. Yeah. Um, we're covering Natick games. He's, he's fantastic. And, and definitely adds to that atmosphere. Um, oh. well, last one for me. Uh, By the way, not to be- cut you off, but you know, I was the head coach at Norwood. I coached plenty against Natick. He's fantastic if you're on that sideline. Yeah. <laughs> if you're on the other side and you're yeah, up, uh, yeah, yeah, and you're up ten seven with ten seconds left, and Natick scores, and you hear touchdown Natick, and you didn't pull off the upset, it's not as fantastic. But I digress. Yeah. <laughs> um, does the word vacation exist for you these next two weeks, or are you just, you know, like a kid waiting for Christmas at this point? What does your schedule look like for, you know, these next few weeks before camp? Well, as a guy who's married with, as a father of three, uh, I got to be honest, it's probably not a great thing to admit. The word vacation doesn't really exist with me, period, to be honest with you. It's just, this isn't a job for me. This is what I love. This is, you know, this is everything to me. And um, to me, vacation's taking a long weekend, which I'm about to do, by the way, this week. I'm going to go up to Maine with my family. Um, and obviously I, I'd rather spend more time invested when I'm not at, you know, the facility, I'm not with the team, not recruiting and not with alumni. I'd rather be with my kids and whatever that means, whether it's going to take my girls to go play soccer or going to, you know, train my son. Like those are the things that get me excited and and make me happy. So, um, yeah, we're not a big vacation family. Uh, my wife took the girls and her family out to Disney in the spring and my son and I were both in spring ball. So we weren't able to make that trip, but. We are taking a long weekend this week up to Wells, Maine, so that's going to be my big trip for the year. Spoken like a true football coach. And by the way, Peter Monday, you're a legend. 
I'm just saying that if you're on the other sideline, touchdown Eric, <laughs> is not as uh, <laughs> appetizing. Uh, you know, Dan, I wanted to talk about the importance of facilities, right? In this day and age with, with the transfer portal on NIL and high stakes recruiting, it's important to invest in your facilities long term. Is that something that Merrimack recognizes that, hey, you know what? In this Division One world that we live in now, facilities or upgrading facilities is a part of that process. Where do you think the school at, the school is in that process? Do you think that the school long term sees the value in investing in facilities and further expanding your, your footprint and your brand? I believe so. I mean, it's it's gone beyond more than just conversations. Um, I know there's some really big plans to do some some pretty cool things over the next couple of years on campus that will not just impact football, but all athletics. And I think ultimately really enhance the campus as well. And I think the cool thing about Merrimack kind of in line with, with us making the jump to division one is really the growth um, of the school as an institution. You know, you look at where our school is from 15 or 20 years ago to where it is now it's night and day. And that's not to say it wasn't always a really good school with a great reputation um, that had its niche. But I think, you look at our contemporaries now from where it was even when I got here as a head coach, it's completely different. And President Hoping, the administration, has done an unbelievable job of not only expanding and growing our brand and growing the school, but doing it the right way. And you look on campus, there's brand new academic buildings, brand new dorm rooms, um, and they're everywhere. Um, and, and at a time and ever when everybody else is going the other way, we're continuing to grow. And we're buying, you know, you know, land across the street and, and for more expansion. And there are plans, significant plans for, you know, obviously athletic facilities over the next, you know, hopefully two to three years that I think are very real and tangible. So we're excited about that. And I think, you know, I think the move to Division One kind of was in line with us growing as an institution. So I believe that, that that's going to be in the very near future. And, you know, what we always tell our kids, like, listen, we, we number one, we want you to be here for the right reasons. So don't choose us because we have the best this and that come here because you want to be a part of what we're building here. You want to be a part of our culture. You want to be part of this community. You want to get a great education. Um, and I think you want to be developed and you want to reach your goals on and off the field. And I think if the new facilities that have been added uh, or the ones that are going to be coming in the near future are the ice on the cake, then great. Right. And, you know, I think some schools are able to kind of roll up the red carpet, you know, for us, that's never been really how we do things. And those aren't the kids we want anyways, but I think you hit the nail right in the head to be competitive long-term and to do this at a high level uh, and do it, sustain it, you certainly need an investment by the school at a certain level. And I think Merrimack's more than willing to step up and make those investments. And, you know, it does appear to be that something's going to happen here in the very near future. Um, uh, two other kids um, from this recruiting class from Massachusetts are very local, extremely yep. local, two Central Catholic kids. Sean McCurry, who's the older brother, I saw play for you as well, was a, uh, I was a uh, captain and linebacker for you. And then Matthias Latham, um, who I thought was, if you're talking about two-way players, offense and defense, almost as good as anybody in the state uh, in terms of being good at both offense and defense, running back and uh, linebacker and safety. Um, so what what are those two guys going to bring to you? Well, I mean, obviously, I think going back to what we touched on earlier, you know, with kind of working within the formula that's been good to us and not straying from that, those two kids are great examples of that. You know, Matthias, he's a football player in every sense of the word. Like, that kid could probably play anywhere. Uh, and he's one of those kids. He's going to find his way on the field, I have no doubt. You know, we're going to start him at running back, and 
we love the fact that he could be an all-purpose kid and do a little bit of everything, be a three-down back and play special teams. And Sean's brother, obviously, I have, not really Sean's brother was he a captain and all the wing linebacker for his I, I'm, I have a great relationship and connection with their family. Um, Sean's grandparents and my late parents were, were best friends. And Sean's dad was actually my idol growing up in Shelmsford. Um, it's probably one of the reasons why we got his older brother, Michael. But I think the best thing about Sean, uh, and, and I'll tease Michael about this, Sean was a better high school player than Michael was. Now, Michael continued to develop and became a hell of a player for us at, at Merrimack and was you know was an absolute stud for a couple of years. But I think the, the thing about Sean is, same deal you talk about Matthias, same deal you mentioned with a kid like Bryce Ward. They're just tough, physical kids that love the game. They're going to play with the chip on their shoulder, and they're going to represent our program and our community the right way. Um, and those are kids that I'll play with any day of the week. So we're excited about getting both those kids. And, you know, we've had good relationships with, with Coach A, who just retired in Central Catholic for a really long time. And those kids have been great fits for our program. And we want to continue that relationship moving forward and excited to have both those kids here for the next couple of years. All right. One more coach. Um, quarterback wise, you guys have been very lucky the last few years to have some very good ones from, you know, Weston Elliott to, to Gavin stepping up last year, just at that position this year, um, competition wise, what are you expecting? And um, I guess just kind of what's the, what's the outlook at, you know, the most important position on the field. Yeah, so it was interesting. We went in this offseason, and obviously Gavin got hot for us and, and uh, ended up winning seven games in a row and took his, you know, really to the conference championship game. And this is a kid who deserves a ton of credit. I mean, his freshman year, true freshman year before the redshirt, I mean, he was fifth string in the depth chart coming into camp last year. Um, and, and I think it's just a great example. The kid's like, don't play the numbers game. Just continue to develop. Worry about yourself. And just when you get your opportunity, make sure you're ready. And, and he's a great example of that. And he continued to climb the depth chart. And you know, he got thrown in the fire a little bit in the overtime game versus Harvard, but I think it was a really good learning experience for him. And, you know, I think the great thing about Gavin is, you know, some guys just have a quality about him where the team really rallies around him and they want to play for him. And all of us have played with guys like that and coached guys like that. I don't know what it is, but he's got it. Now, he's got to continue to develop, and it was really impressive to see what he did this offseason – you know, from what he, you know, built on from the fall, knowing he had to improve in some areas, it's particularly down the field. And, you know, obviously he, he did an unbelievable job physically developing in the winter and spring, had a really good spring, and he looks unbelievable right now in the summer. Um, but, you know, there's still room for, for improvement, and he's got the right type of mindset and mentality that I think he's going to continue to push himself. And we're fortunate that we really, we're really happy about that entire room. So we went in the offseason. The question was, did we go down the transfer portal again and as you know, I mean, it's like a carousel at the quarterback position where we had a bunch of kids, some of them with some big names that, that reached out to us and um, certainly guys that were intriguing. But at the end of the day, we decided to double down and reinvest in our own guys. And the one guy we brought in was kind of similar with Tashawn earlier with the transport. He's a kid I recruited out of high school from a program that I recruited a ton from. It's, you know, St. Francis Academy in Baltimore. I have a great relationship with the head coach, Coach Masai, and and John's got a bunch of friends on our team. And that's why we brought John. John's essentially was our freshman because he was at Maryland. He's got four years left. So we thought no matter what, we'll bring in a quality kid who's a great competitor and just let him come in and compete with the rest of the guys that we have along with Gavin and uh, continue to develop those guys and kind of double down with the guys that we got. But we're certainly happy with Gavin's progress and really happy with that entire room. We think all those kids have improved a ton. Uh, Coach Rosenbaum's done a really good job with that group. And I expect that group to continue to get better over the course of the next few months. 
Coach, final question from us. Just some thoughts on the upcoming season. Obviously, look, I've been a coach for almost 30 years. I know that sometimes it's hard to project and talk about your overall thoughts or overall goals on an upcoming season. Um, but with that said, what are some thoughts on the upcoming season? Obviously, you're going to take a week-to-week, opponent-to-opponent, but what, what are some thoughts on this upcoming season and this team? And, and you know, if you could forecast for us a little bit, what are your expectations for this group? Well, I think for us, kind of, you know, what I alluded to earlier, you know, really it's just about making sure that standard that we talk about every single day. It's not something we just mentioned in passing. We talk about it every day before and after practice. And it's reiterated in the, in, in the positional meeting rooms and the unit meetings and the special teams meetings, making sure that's being met with the goal of elevating it, you know, every single year. I think we were able to do that last year, and I think that's the goal again this year. The reality is we want to win them all, you know, but I think you can't win them all until you win the first one, you know, and I think we understand that, you know, the such thing as momentum in football, and that can work both for you and against you. And I think the group last year did a great job of, you know, we, we, we played really well in, in a couple early games against some really good teams, but we're, you know, we're in a spot where, like, hey, did the season go in one or two ways? We had a big injury at the quarterback position. We had some inexperienced guys take over. We lost a heartbreaker to Harvard. Um, and again, we probably should have won. And But I think the way the kids in that locker room responded shows you those kids are bought into what we talk about every day, which is our standard. And they continue to build and that momentum. You could see throughout the course of the year, you know, confidence growing, finding different ways to win games with in all three phases and playing what I like to call complimentary football. You know, it's going to look different every week. But the good teams and the good locker rooms, they find a way every week. So we really want to continue to build on that. And I think, you know, part of having a great culture is winning football games. And I think for us, that we need to have a great camp. And both our offense and defense, especially, we need to get after each other for a couple of weeks the way we always do. Um, that's, that's what we talk about what our standard is to give ourselves a chance to go against the team we got to play week one. So for us right now, it's can we elevate the standard? Can we do it once again this year, take another step forward? And again, the goal is to try and win them all, but you can't do that until you win the first one. So really our goal is to have a great camp and then get into that thing and making sure that we're getting better every single week in camp, leading into week one to give ourselves an opportunity to compete against you know, a nationally ranked football program. Well, Coach Kern, I want to say thank you for taking the time, my friend. It's always great catching up with you. And, you know, I, I, we take great pride in what we do here. And one of the things we take great pride in is the relationships that we have with the coaches. You've always been good to us. Your doors are always open to us, and we greatly appreciate that. We appreciate you, uh, your friendship towards us, and, and we appreciate you giving us an opportunity to cover your program. John, the feeling's mutual. Um, we, I can't tell how, how appreciative not only myself and the staff and our program are, but I think I, the sentiment goes with all college coaches in the wing, and you guys have elevated this thing and done an unbelievable job with the coverage of high school football, college football, and obviously the pages as well. So continue the great work. I apologize for the technical difficulties. I'm glad to be able to work through it, but um excited for the season. Look forward to seeing you guys down the road at a couple of the games. Thank you, coach. Thanks, coach. Yeah. yeah, not a problem. Thank you for taking the time, my friend, and can't wait to catch up with you during the season. Absolutely. You guys have a great night. You, you too. too. Good, All right. That is Dan Kern, head football coach at Merrimack College. That'll do it for this week's episode of the New England Football Show. For Kevin Stone, Adam Kirkchen. I'm John Tiranitas. Till next time. Peace. See ya. All right.